Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Legal Geeks. Uh, with me, as usual, is my partner in geekdom, Joshua Gilliland. Hey, Josh. Cheers, Jessica. <laughs> and today we're here to discuss a great kind of cult classic from the eighties, from the eighties, a TV show called Quantum Leap. Right, Josh? Yeah, I will always have a special place in my heart for Quantum Leap. I absolutely love, love that show. Well done, Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. Uh, ultimate bromance and exceptionally well done. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Scott Bakula, of course, and I love the idea of using the quantum kind of physics loosely, obviously, for time travel. Uh, speaking of the time travel, explain to those who haven't seen Quantum Leap, how did they do the tra- time travel in Quantum Leap? Well, you could only travel within your lifetime, and there was one big exception to that in one episode, but you basically, you know, the beginning of your life and then the end of your life, and if you, that was a string and you bunched it all together, you could travel to any point within the string. And so, which made the TV show very convenient because you basically dealt with somebody born in the 50s, and thus you were able to touch on everything, you know, relatively current, so people would remember it because it covered lives uh, from the 50s up through, you know, uh, the late 80s. And so they really didn't touch anything in the 90s that I remember, but there might be a one-off in there someplace. But it was a very focused time period and so people could be nostalgic about the 50s or 60s 70s and 80s uh in that 40 year period all right cool much better than going back to the time of dinosaurs or something or forward to a future you wouldn't recognize at all i wonder if the 90s episode if they'd had flannel and grunge i would have been very impressed (laughs) yes they uh you know they did you know because it overlapped beginning of the 90s so they might have they might have touched on that but I, I, I don't remember one you know, the big exception was he he did leap back to his great-grandfather during the Civil War so like that was the one time they they, they went beyond that and with being a sci-fi show they were able to explain it oh okay and they had a credible explanation for that one yeah because his grandfather great-grandfather had the same name and there was enough in common that somehow that that worked out so uh, but okay during the Civil War, so that was their Civil War episode. Ah, cool. Well, today we're here to discuss a special episode called So Help Me God. And tell me a little bit, what were the legal issues involved in that specific episode? Well, you got to keep in mind it took place in 1957. So the story begins on July 29, 1957, with an alleged crime that took place on June 15, 1957. So if we look at the slides with this person who's a African-American woman who's charged with murdering the son of the most powerful man in town, and she worked, worked for the family. Uh, she's arrested without knowledge of her right to counsel. There's a confession signed without you know, the assistance of counsel, and she's illiterate. We have issues with the state initially refusing to produce the confession, the police file, and the medical examiner report. And, and we do have Scout Balcula do a nice Perry Mason type yelling at someone for that and, and threatening to go to uh, you know, the federal courts to go out and get it. And then there are issues with jury selection because the jury that's initially impaneled is all white. And you mm-hmm. have an African American on tri- trial in 1957. And so th- those are the, you know, just the right out of the gate issues. Someone who, who is a true criminal defense attorney, I am not one, uh, would might be able to pick out more and, and additional problems that they had with it. But there were definite Fifth and Sixth Amendment issues uh, throughout the story. 
So what was the status of the right to counsel and the right against self-incrimination in the story and at that time? Well, since we were dealing with time travel, I put together a linear approach to this. And when you look at, you know, this is the beginning of the Sixth Amendment issues, and then we end with, the, you know, how it ties into the Fifth Amendment issues. So in 1932, you had the Powell v. Alabama Supreme Court case, uh, which developed the special circumstances uh, test for having the right to counsel, which stated that you end up with the right to counsel in, in capital cases. Mm. Okay, so it wasn't in all of them, but it's, it's still a very, very important begin, uh, opinion because it's the beginning. And yeah. Then we, then we have a World War II era case. It was 1942, uh, and that's the Betts v. Brady decision. And, uh, and so, like, that's important because, you know, we have right to counsel issues and guys who didn't have counsel, and that was found to be okay. You then have 1957 with our story that takes place. And then after you know, 57, we start getting into the law that, that defines how we are as a country today. We have Gideon v. Uh, Wainwright, which deals with the wonderful issues of right to counsel. And the fun movie, uh, I think it was with uh, Henry Fonda for Gideon's Trumpet. And then you have, oh. the, then you have the Miranda uh, opinion that comes out in 1966. So this case takes place in between before the good stuff comes in. We, we've, established, ah. we've established the right to counsel in a capital case. And apparently since this story took place in Louisiana, you know, it was established that you know, the defendant did have, have an attorney. But just to highlight, you know, I mean, uh, Betts is, is an you know, unfortunate opinion to read and that came from the Supreme Court because these guys are, are found guilty um, and they, they don't have counsel at, at trial. And, you know, the, the court initially determined that the 14th Amendment did not strictly require that a defendant be appointed counsel uh, at a trial for every criminal defense. Mm -hmm. And further stated that the inmate uh, was not deprived of his liberty without due process of law because the Sixth Amendment guarantee of counsel only applied to trials in federal courts. The 14th Amendment did not incorporate that guarantee. So there was no... Uh, no right to state-appointed counsel in every case in which a defendant charged with a crime was unable to obtain counsel. Now, there's another justice on the Supreme Court when all this goes down, and that's Justice Black. And this irritated him. And his, <laughs> his, you know, there, there are some great black opinions, just as there are some great Harlan you know, two opinions and, and, some, mm -hmm. and some other ones from this period. Uh, so if you're a connoisseur of Supreme Court opinions, the dissent <laughs> in Betts is, in, is profoundly important because he, he comes out swinging. And it's like, you know, it's one of those like, this is why I went to law school type moments. Mm -hmm. uh, but, it, you know, which, you know, the opening line is a practice cannot be reconciled with common and fundamental ideas of fairness and right, where, which subjects innocent men to increased dangers of conviction merely because of their poverty. Mm -hmm. Whether a man is innocent cannot be determined from a trial in which, as here, denial of counsel has made it impossible to conclude without any satisfactory uh, degree of certainty that the defendant's case was adequately presented. No one questions that due process requires a hearing before conviction and sentence for the serious crimes of robbery. And it just, it goes on like that. Now, this is where, you know, since th these are lifetime appointments and, you know, people live a long time, uh, Black got even because he ends up being the majority, writes for the majority in Gideon. 
and that overrules the Betts decision. It's a wonderful opinion. We won't go through it in, in detail for obvious reasons, but it's an absolutely fabulous opinion. And it's one of those things that helps define as we are as a country, because the idea of not having the right to counsel or, you know, in state appointed, uh, appointed counsel taking place that, you know, if somebody gets into trouble, that, you know, it's like, sorry, son, you have to go out and get your own attorney. And, like, you know, that just, <laughs> just rubs us wrong. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, it just, mm-hmm. it sounds very police state-esque. And then, you know, several years, three years afterwards, we have the, the you know, Miranda decision. Now, since 1966, there have been tons of opinions dealing with Miranda. And yes. even through the 2000s, there, there have been several as well. But, you know, you cannot, you know, we all know Miranda writes from, from TV shows. It's been ingrained upon our culture. And, you know, there, there are all the you know, weird cases out there with, you know, police getting people they've arrested to confess to things, you know, you know, subverting the right to counsel. One of the recent Supreme Court decisions uh, that I believe was a, um, you know, you know was, was a ugly practice of the police forcing someone into confession. They, they would talk to them, and after getting the confession, they would then read them the Miranda rights and then get them to waive their Miranda rights and confess again. And the Supreme Court of the United States said, uh, no, uh-uh, you, you don't get to do that. And so there, there are good law and order, you know, arguments about Miranda and the right yes. people, you know, out there because we don't want bad people on the streets, you know, committing crimes. And, you know, there, there are statistics out there that, that, that highlight the danger of that. On the flip side, we, you know, the idea that only criminals have to fear the police state uh, tends to rub people the wrong way. So this is one of those things that's pretty well ingrained in our culture on what we believe in, in ha- as civil society. And the Quantum Leap episode is just a lot of fun because it, it lands in between that. And so in 1957, we have, you know, those, those cases are working their way through the courts and there are things happening. We have great prosperity in the 50s, but we also have horrible things happening in the civil rights movement with, with repressive mm-hmm. citizens. So it, you know, it, Quantum Leap always did a beautiful job at tugging at heartstrings on those issues, and and they, they did it in a beautiful way, and <laughs> I, I I was a big fan. I enjoyed it growing up. Loved the Homecoming Part Two episode, and you know, just it, it was a great show. So, um, you know, hats off to everyone who did it, and it was nice seeing a the courtroom drama version mm-hmm. of Quantum Leap, uh, where they got to you know play you know you know Perry Mason and and have all of those great courtroom scenes. There's that. My favorite thing, too, about time travel shows, shows that go to the past and Quantum Leap in this episode is a perfect example of that, is it always reinforces my opinion that I am happiest right now, right here, that the good old days really weren't so good. So I'm like, you know, there were serious issues and problems. And, yeah, I think it's good to remind people of where we were before a lot of these Supreme Court decisions came out and how uh, how different things were and things that we take for granted right now, certain rights, were not there, especially for large swaths of the population especially poorer people, um, not that many dec- not too many decades ago. So well done, Quantum Leap. Yeah, they, did, they did a great job. And uh, even though I do, watching the ones that, that hit on the 80s and the late 70s, which you know, <laughs> overlapped with my childhood, 
always made me feel feel you know you know reminiscent of, of home and and <laughs> those days gone by. So, but it was a great show. <laughs> It was a good show. Well, thank you, Josh. That's quite the education. I love that. I'm right to counsel, and uh, that's uh, right against self-incrimination, and that's very important. Those are kind of like basic, important, some of our most important principles. So that was uh, a lot of fun. I love tying that into a great 80s cult classic TV show. So yay, well done. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, Jessica. And uh, So st- look forward to another adventure, and uh, see you soon. Bye, Josh.